What's up, Whisper Nation, and welcome into the fourth and final part of the Week 10 Matchup Show. Right here. I'm your host, Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter, at Big Travi TFW. And today, I'm joined by one of my favorite people on the team, Summy, the Sultan of Stats himself. Summy, you can find on Twitter, at Summy, S-A-M-I, TFW. Summy, what's going on, my brother? What's up, Travi? I'm doing good. Living good. good. Feeling good. Yeah. Can't wait to yeah, there you go with you and a uh, little little Deion Sanders uh, quote there. I love it. There you go. There you go. Got to do a little, little touchdown shimmy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look good. Feel one. good. Analyze good. Maybe. Go. Yeah. There yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how it works. You know, you analyze good and they pay you good. So yeah, that's what we're working for. We're about that bag. Uh, how you feeling, man? We're going into week 10, just about a month away from the fantasy football playoffs. How are you feeling maybe about your rosters or about Whisper Nation, you know, and what we can do for them this final month? Well, even outside of football, I'm just feeling kind of like, you know, this year's kind of flown by, right? It's already week 10 oh. and football just started. Right. Um, but no, I'm feeling good. I mean, you know, I think we have really a lot of data compiled. I think uh, we know where to pivot to. We know which players to target for the playoffs. And I'm sure over the next like week or so, we'll do one of those episodes where we discuss which players to target for play- playoffs and whatnot and, and kind of identify and hone in on those. But, you know, I hope Whisper Nation's been keeping up with these matchup shows. You know, we, we've been providing really solid golden nuggets of information it's been working out overall um so i think you know today's gonna be no different we're gonna be covering three different games and you know whisper nation should should benefit from uh hearing all these stats that i got lined up for everyone yeah i i looked at the show notes i peaked a little bit so i got a a first look at this i'm really excited always excited when i bring you on here summy because you you see things in a different light you give us that perspective and dive a little deep so let's get into it here we're going to start with the pittsburgh steelers they're hosting the cincinnati Bengals. this is a 47 and a half point over under we've got pittsburgh favored by eight points over a touchdown in this one Look, the story is very simple for me, Summy, when we look at the Bengals. This is an offensive line that has gone through the ringer. Injuries, uh, lack of, you know, talent. Uh, They're just not a very good offensive line. And now they're going to face maybe the most pressuring defense in the league, if not the most. Summy, how is Joe Burrow and the rest of this offense really going to handle it? What's up with Joey B this week? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the only advantage that Cincinnati has over – Pittsburgh is the fact that, you know, they've had two weeks to prepare for this game, right? They've had a bye week, which, you know, preparation isn't really, you're not really focused all week on preparation. You maybe get half of that week to focus on preparation, but still it's more time than the Steelers have had to focus on Cincinnati. Um, And, you know, one narrative that, you know, I do want to discuss with the Steelers is, you know, their offense seemed to be, it's not going, you know, it's not a well-oiled machine. Like they're, they're, they're an undefeated team. Sure. But, like, last week they thought they could roll out of bed and, you know, kind of beat Dallas, which we saw was not the case. Right. But as far as Joe Burrow goes, I mean, listen, he's been doing phenomenal as a rookie, especially with all this pressure that he's already faced. He hasn't crumbled kind of like someone like Baker Mayfield. You know, when he faces pressure, he kind of crumbles under that pressure. Joe Burrow's shown, you know, resiliency to stay in the pocket, deliver, even in high-pressure situations. And, you know, like this week, for example – like Pittsburgh, they're allowing the third lowest EPA per dropback. They uh, they're ranked first in terms of pass rush per PFF, and uh, you know they they blitz at the third highest rate, forty two point one percent, and they and they pretty much force the first uh, first most QB hurries, sixteen point one percent rate, and they're first in sacks with thirty two. They actually have so so get this. This is a really wild stat, right? So only seven players in the league have seven sacks or more this year. I'm sorry, only seven players actually have exactly seven sacks this year, and Pittsburgh has three of those players. T.J. Watt, oh, man. Stephon Tewitt, and Bud Dupree. Those three guys are 
you know, you can, you can get pressure with just those three guys, you know, and that's, that's impressive to say the least. And, you know, this O-line hasn't been doing well in terms of pass blocking, but Burrow, I mean, let's take a look at him, right? He's 27th out of 32 quarterbacks uh, in adjusted completion percentage, one under pressure. He completes his passes at 57.1%, one under pressure. He's sixth in sack rate under pressure, 21.8%. He's tied for second in overall sacks under pressure with 27 of them. And he's tied with Daniel Jones in that stat. And only Carson Wentz has more with 32. So I do smell trouble brewing for Joe Burrow this week. But again, you know, I'm not going to discount what the rookie has been able to do uh, in the face of pressure all season long. I do think, you know, he has a safety valve in Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins is someone that he looks to force feed. And I think this offense is is just getting more efficient as the season goes on. So as I'm, I'm scared for Burrow, but I still think he could put up a solid, you know, 250 two passing touchdowns kind of day well yeah i mean i'm just i'm concerned here that he, he's probably not even worth a stream this week are you concerned because i'm looking at him he's outside the top 12 in most rankings here i mean i think there's guys out there like jared goff you're feeling more comfortable with but you do have matt ryan you do have patrick mahomes on by where is a where about is joe burrow is he is he a late end qb1 for you or do you think he's a qb2 this week I think he's uh, back end like QB two, right? That's like his his floor. Um, well, his floor. I mean, we saw against Baltimore. It's it's a lot lower than that. But realistically speaking, when I'm statting this guy out, like I'd give him like a back end QB two. So like he's out of the streaming conversation for me, absolutely. Um, but I do think there are better days ahead for Joe Burrow. So if you have him, don't let him go. You know, he's yeah. The guy that you kind of- I've stashed him. He's got some great matchups coming up, including uh, a date with Dallas down the stretch. He's also yeah. got a couple Houston game, uh, Houston game, not a couple, just a, a game with Houston. So good, <laughs> it's like three good or matchup. four games against Houston. You know? Yeah, that would be uh, excellent. Three in a row against Houston. <laughs> um, let's talk about the pass catchers because that's the that's the play here. We know that this team is one of the highest in pass attempts, and we know they've got three very talented wide receivers in Tyler Boyd, T Higgins and AJ Green. So walk us through what you think can happen in this game um, because we actually have seen, you may not be able to run on Pittsburgh, but you can kind of get it done through the air a little bit against them. Yeah. Yeah. They've definitely allowed, uh, you know, the seventh highest explosive pass rate, you know, even though the secondary is really aggressive with Minka back there with Joe Hayden getting a pick, I think it was last week as well. Uh, you know, they've allowed 9.7% of all passes against him to go for 20 or more yards. But the only thing is Cincinnati actually ranks 31st in that same metric, right? So they're bottom of the barrel when it comes to creating those explosive passes because A.J. Green hasn't looked himself. T. Higgins can't do everything himself as a rookie. Tyler Boyd's really the guy over the middle. They really don't have a tight end to stress the seam. So it, it, it's kind of a disadvantage for uh, Joe Burrow here where, you know, I don't think they'll be able to take advantage of this, the, the, this secondary and how aggressive they can be at times. Um, let me see here. So uh, Burrow actually only has uh, 37 deep pass attempts on the year, right? So that's ninth overall amongst all quarterbacks, but he's only completed seven of them, right? Out of 37 of them for 214 yards, which ranks 27th amongst all quarterbacks, one touchdown and one interception. So again, just reaffirming that, right, where like they really won't be able to take advantage of this defense and how, how often they let up those explosive pass plays. Uh, Tyler Boyd, you know, I think he's, he's a volume-based wide receiver too at worst, right? Like he has a solid floor. He's a guy that you want to target, you know, for your playoffs. He's one of those guys that, you know, I'm trying to acquire everywhere. I don't have him. I do like his schedule, and I do see the chemistry building between him and Burrow. Um, and again, you know, he's going against uh, most likely Cameron Sutton, who's a safety, uh, who's allowed the fourth lowest completion percentage from the slot amongst all, uh, you know, uh, uh, cornerbacks 
that have a hundred more uh, slot coverage snaps, but I still like Boyd's matchup. I do think he can, uh, he can definitely get it done. I think I keep hearing the narrative that you can target the slot receiver against uh, Pittsburgh, but as you just pointed out, Cam Sutton's played really well. Why do we think, why do you think we keep hearing that narrative? So he, Cam Sutton's not their primarily nickel, primary nickel corner, right? Like he's okay. their safety that comes down to, to, to guard the nickel. Um, to guard the slot. So it just depends on what they're what right. what position or what defense they're running right there. Right, right. It's all it's all scheme based, right? But I do think that the slot is the most um, exploitable part of the secondary, mm-hmm. especially because you have Minka just hawking over the top, you know. So it's like it's it's tough to get it done if you if you're trying to stretch the field against Pittsburgh. Um, again, they have allowed uh, a lot of explosive plays, but Burrow just won't be able to take advantage of that. So I do see Boyd getting double digit targets, like ten or twelve targets this game. Um, and being able to put up like wide receiver two numbers. Uh, T Higgins, first round pick for the Cincinnati Bengals seems, or I'm sorry, second round pick for the Cincinnati. Is he first or second? I think he's second, second. I believe. Yeah. First, he's one of the early second round picks. Yep. Um, ha- having a bit of a breakout year this year, Summy, how do you, how are you feeling about T Higgins in this matchup? You mentioned Joe Hayden. He'll probably be locked up against him a lot, huh? Yeah, most likely he'll most likely see Hayden. I mean, let me just get you the exact numbers here. So, T Higgins lines up pretty much everywhere, right? They move him around from the left side to the right side to the slot uh, pretty evenly. Uh, he sees the right side at 40% um, versus the left side out, left outside at 36%. He goes in the slot 23% of the time. Joe Hayden covers primarily one side and that's the left side, which would be the right side for the receivers, right? Um, Cause it's mirrored around. And that's the side that, T Higgins spends the most time on. Uh, so I do expect Joe Hayden to be on uh, T Higgins for most of the game. Uh, and that being said, I mean, Joe Hayden, he started off the year not playing as well, but he's really improved over the last three weeks against Tennessee, Baltimore, and Dallas, where he's allowed uh, over the course of the season, 79.6%, uh, 79.6 passer rating on the season, but 68.6 over the last three weeks. Right. So his play has improved. He had an interception last week as well. Um, I do think T Higgins is productive enough to be able to overcome this matchup. Uh, it's just a matter of if Burrow can have the time in the pocket to let the routes develop, right? Like if there's not enough pressure in his face to, to kind of let him see the routes developing. So that's the only concern I have with Higgins. But other than that, man, this kid's a baller. He's going to be really, really good next year as well. So I wouldn't shy, shy away from starting him. I have him as a wide receiver three. And how are we feeling about A.J. Green? Up and down production all year. We thought he was good, leading the team in air yards early in the year. I, I think he might still be, um, and, and, but yet he, we've seen his floor. He's bottomed out multiple games. Yeah, yeah. And, and just due to that, man, like, I just don't feel comfortable with him in my lineup, right? Like, yeah. even though he can, he has a potential. Like, he is A.J. Green, right? Like, he has the potential to give you a 20-point game. He, ha- he hasn't done that this year. And I don't think it's going to come as often as people would like. So, like, I'm shying away from AJ Green. He's like a desperation flex play for me. If I'm absolutely need, if I have injuries all across my roster, if I don't have anyone else to start at flex, I'm going to start AJ Green. But outside of that, like I'm not, I'm not interested. So, I mean, let's move to the running backs here and talk about Joe Mixon, who was limited Wednesday and then did not practice again. And we are recording now Friday, and he has not practiced today either. It is not looking good for Joe Mixon, and it wasn't looking good matchup-wise for him against these Steelers. Yeah, so when Joe Mixon initially got hurt, it was uh, presumed that he had a mild foot sprain, a Liz Frank injury. Uh, It's turning out to be a little bit more moderate than mild, right? And the average return to time is about five to six weeks for moderate foot sprain. So if you've got Geo, 
like a, hopefully you didn't drop him, right? Coming out of the bye. Hopefully you still have him. I think you'll be able to get, if not one, maybe two more weeks of production from Gio. And like Joe Mixon's not going to go this week. I'll tell you that right now. Gio Bernard's going to be the starter and he'll be a high end RB2, even if Mixon can't go. And the reason I say that is because the pressure, number one, right? Like you need an outlet to dump the ball off to when you have that much pressure. Number two, like we've seen the, the involvement he has in the passing game. So I think he has a safe floor and he also has that upside where, you know, he could get a touchdown. Uh, you never know, like crazier things have happened. You know, <laughs> Pittsburgh has given up touchdowns to running backs. And I think, you know, Gio could find his nose in the end zone, but that's not a guarantee, right? Like I do like his floor with his targets though. Yeah, I think that's it, especially in PPR. He's, he's been a pretty consistent play because he can get in um, on the ground or through the air for them. Yeah. No interest in Drew Sample, correct? No. No, yeah, he's too volatile, too inconsistent to, for me to even consider streaming him. All right, you mentioned the Steelers and how they are undefeated, but they continue to play down, so to speak, to their competition. You know, a very much better version of the Los Angeles Chargers, let's say. Um, how do you feel about this offense? Let's start with Big Ben because he is hobbled now. Uh, not one, but two knees. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also uh, sat next to Vance McDonald on the flight home, who was COVID positive. And we're not sure because we haven't heard since Monday what's going on with Ben. Yeah, yeah. And we were kind of discussing this off air, but, like, why would you sit next to a player that, like, you're not really throwing to during the game, you know? Like, are they, like, friends and they like, he just chooses not to target him during the game? Like, what's going on there? Yeah, I, I don't get it, man. And maybe it's uh, you, you, you split up. We talked about this in the offseason. Maybe you split up your really good players from your other really good players in when they're corresponding. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, but uh, it, it was baffling to me. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Maybe they're really good friends, you know. That's out of work. But uh, no, so like with Big Ben, right? Like so Cincinnati, they've allowed uh, the 11th highest EPA per drop back allowed. They've allowed the 16th most or fewest quarterback fantasy points. So they're kind of middle of the road against uh, – uh, against quarterbacks, but that's also because uh, their opponents are passing at a minus 2.6% rate lower than league average against them, but they're rushing at a plus 8.5 rate again, percent rate against them. So that just means that they're, they're concentrating more runs against them and they're inviting the run. And it's because like teams are up on the Bengals, right? So like they don't really have to pass last week though. We saw like Ben just go completely like five wide for a quarter and a half, like last half a third quarter in the fourth quarter, they were five wide every single snap. And that was, that was kind of crazy to see, right? That was like full comeback mode. Uh, so when this team needs to be, they're really pass heavy, but when they don't need to be like Connor Snell, McFarlane, like these guys can, can kind of mop up. So I'm, I'm concerned about big Ben, even as a streamer option this week, just because I do think Pittsburgh, the defense can, can kind of stymie the Cincinnati offense. Not only that, but like, if you're not practicing until Saturday at the earliest because of the COVID, um, because of COVID, and also you're banged up, like your knees, both of your knees are, are, are in need of uh, rehab. <laughs> like it just, it's not looking good for Big Ben uh, as far as a fantasy option goes. Uh, and I do think he could be a trap. So I would definitely sit him this week. Yeah, I love how you painted this. Um, so many ways, so many ways that Big Ben could not get there for you. Obviously, the knees, maybe the COVID practice uh, situation, the fact that they could go up on this team and be game scripted out. And then this team is so dink and dunk this year. I mean, outside of that game against the, you know, like you said, the two quarters against Dallas where they're in comeback mode, yeah. they have been so dink and dunk and just do what they have to do. Ben short crossers to his talented wide receivers and let them kind of move the chains, but nothing yeah. really too special for them. And so on the other side, 
to back that yeah, up, I mean, they, they rank 23rd in explosive passes, right? They have right. one total explosive passes on the year. So uh, to back that up, also, like, Deontay Johnson hasn't really been healthy, you know, so maybe that might have helped right. lower that a little bit. So um, so that means if, if we're talking about Cincinnati because there's such a run funnel in a lot of ways, how are you feeling about James Conner this week? He should be ready to rock and roll, right? I was feeling great about him last week, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. everyone was. I think he was like the chalk of the week on DFS where James Conner and Chase Edmonds, those, those two guys were like in everyone's lineup, like 80% ownership, right? Right. But I think this might be the week for James Conner. Um, I think like a lot of people are not expecting it, like after, especially after last week. I think James Conner surprises. You know, he comes back in that RB2, uh, back in RB1 conversation. Uh, Cincinnati's allowing the ninth most running back fantasy points, 22.2 per game, eighth highest EPA per rush play. They're giving up the first most adjusted line yards at 5.04. And, you know, Pittsburgh actually needs that soft matchup against that defensive line because their O-line is generating the sixth fewest adjusted line yards. They actually, uh, in terms of run blocking let me actually tell you this uh pittsburgh ranks 31st in terms of run blocking per pff per pff so they need the soft matchup against the cincinnati d-line uh to actually get something going on the ground uh the one thing that i would point out right so like uh i forgot i forgot his name but they elevated trey edmonds i believe it is from the practice squad right uh anthony mcfarland was getting touches last week Right. I think Benny Snell is not really the backup to James Conner. I think you want to watch the situation behind James Conner to identify who this backup is. Is it McFarland? Is Trey Edmonds going to come in, kind of split work with him? Like, why do they raise him from the practice squad? Why do they promote him? So keep your eye on who the true backup is because down the stretch, you might need to pick up your handcuffs for the fantasy playoffs. Uh, and that's you think it's a rotating backup situation because Pittsburgh maybe sees that James Connors in a contract year and kind of wants to figure out who the backup would be. Yeah. There's just, there's just no clear cut guy, right? Like, and yeah. that's what's so frustrating. Like me being a Connor owner in a lot of leagues, you know, like a lot of people were lower on him. I took advantage of that, scooped him up in a lot of my drafts and, you know, he's been really good this year uh, outside of last week, but like, it's just kind of frustrating to, to not know who his handcuff is. Right. So, yeah. It's it's a scary thought. Um, let's talk about the wide receiver, Sonny, because it seems that we could figure out if Deontay Johnson was in, he'd do really well. He hasn't, as of late when he's been in, do as well as we want. And then you've got Claypool, who had his breakout game, and then Smith-Schuster scored last week but has been pretty inconsistent as well. Is there any way to peg what game it's going to be, um, what receiver? Um, so listen, here's the thing. I think if this offense really starts humming, I think Juju and Deontay can coexist as high-end wide receiver twos. I think they both can be okay. really good options for you. Um, but that's, again, conditional based on if Big Ben is clicking with his with his receivers, clicking with everyone on offense, if this O-line is clicking, right? That just hasn't been the case. Um, but still, like I, I prefer Deontay over Juju. And I say that because just pure volume, right? Like we see the games that Deontay has been healthy in weeks one, two, seven, and nine. He's had a 29.3% target market share, 12 targets a game on average, 31% air yard market share, 65.6% weighted opportunity rating. So that's all the red zone targets. That's all the money touches, right? Uh, Juju in games with a healthy Deontay still has seen 21% target market share, 20.3% air yard market share, which is, you know, that's, 
that's more than enough for Juju to kind of come through with a good fantasy day. And we've seen this before with AB and Juju, right? Like they split pretty much down the middle. AB obviously was a more productive guy, uh, you know, legendary Hall of Fame receiver. But, you know, we've seen Juju coexist with another top option here. And I think he does need that top option to bring out the best in his, in his production. So I think it's better right. if, if Deontay's on the field for Juju, right? Like we've seen Juju doing a lot better since Deontay's come back. So uh, I do prefer Deontay, but Juju is also like, yeah, he's a wide receiver too. You're, for comfortable. Well. You're comfortable with both guys in this matchup. What about Claypool here? Are you feeling him as a, maybe a flex play in this game? So Claypool is likely to see Darius Phillips a lot, who's played tight coverage, but he's given up some big plays, right? He's allowing just okay. a 57.1% catch rate, and he's allowed just 27 total yards after the catch on the season, but he's allowing 15.8 yards per reception. So uh, not a lot of catches, but the catches that do that he does allow, like they go for long gains. Um, so Chase Claypool is really that guy, the James Washington kind of field stretching option. And I just don't think like the the chemistry is going to be there between him and Ben this week, like with a lack of practice and all that stuff. But Claypool is good enough to kind of get it done, right? Like Ben's Ben's a veteran; he's good enough to get it done. So I'm not discounting this this connection here. I do think Claypool could rip off a big big game but i'm far more comfortable starting deontay and juju over chase claypool like i would start claypool as a flex option at best so eric ebron's a guy that you maybe picked up to stream uh, but you've kept on to him because he scored double digit ppr points in three straight now and really this is where his schedule kind of opens up for tight end matchups i think he only has one non-top five matchup for the next five weeks yeah um so ebron's a guy you're in your lineup and, and probably starting with confidence right yeah, I mean, Ebron, like, I was eyeing him probably as early as, like, week three, you know? Like, I, I just thought about how Ebron, how good he was in Indy and how much Big Ben loves targeting the tight end up the seam. And I was like, this is a, this is a perfect marriage. Like, this is a really good combination. Um, it hasn't panned out as much as we would like to, but over the last couple of weeks, you know, we have seen Ebron kind of stepping it up. And this week, I really like him because Cincinnati, they've allowed the second most tight end fantasy points, 14.7 per game. They've allowed guys like Trey Burton to finish as a tight end three. They've allowed David Njoku on limited snaps to finish as a top 12 tight end. So I like this matchup for Ebron. I think he can get it done. It's just a matter of how much volume is there going to be to go around, right? Like, are they going to need to pass the ball as much? I don't think so. So that's the only question I do have. Right on. Well, let's move our next match up here. Sammy. we've got the New Orleans Saints hosting the San Francisco 49ers. This is a 51 point over under with New Orleans uh, nine point favorite. I've seen some sports book as a 10 point favorite Vegas really loving the Saints after their monster performance against the Buccaneers and really just hating the San Francisco because they're barely rostering a squad at this point and starting a ton of backups. We'll start with that sad uh, 49ers situation. And I think, you know, the main storyline here is I think there's two catchers, but also the running back situation because one week you think it's hasty season, the next you think it's McKinnon. McKinnon gets tired legs. What's going on? Um, so let's start there um, with Nick Mullins. Sorry, Sammy. Let's start with Nick Mullins and, and talk a little bit about what he means for this offense. Yeah, so, I mean, so Nick Mullins, listen, a lot of people say he's not that much of a downgrade from Jimmy G. And, like, this year, to be honest with you, it's looking like it's not. Like, in years past, I would argue that point. I would tell you that, hey, Jimmy G is better than Nick Mullins. But, like, we've seen this year, like, it's not that much of a downgrade. So, I don't mind these pass catchers in this matchup. Um, I do think New Orleans is an exploitable matchup for wide receivers and, and all pass catchers in general. 
But Mullins, here's the thing he needs to do, right? This is like the key to the game for him. And this is kind of what I saw diving into like the stats. He needs to continue getting the ball out quick with those schemed up plays. Like Shanahan needs to have like 20, 30, 40 plays schemed up, ready to go that they're going to be using this game um, to get the ball out of his hand quick, right? So like if you dive into the stats, Nick Mullins has nine sacks on 53 dropbacks where he was pressured, which is a pretty high rate. That's still better than Jimmy G, who has 11 sacks on just 38 dropbacks where he was pressured. So uh, he's been performing better than Jimmy G in that regard. But get this, Travi. So out of, nine, out of his nine sacks, one of those sacks has come when he's held the ball for 2.5 seconds or less. Eight of those sacks have come when he's held the ball longer than two and a half seconds. So mm-hmm. that tells you that you know, his decision-making, like it needs to be quick. Again, you need yeah. to have those schemed up plays out there or else this New Orleans D-line will be able to get pressure. Cameron Jordan's there. Uh, you know, you've got a bunch of really good guys on that front four. And uh, I do think, you know, they can definitely get to get to Nick Mullins. Um, now the Saints, you know, they're middle of the pack in terms of uh, allowing EPA per drop back. Uh, they're 14th lowest or, you know, 18th highest, whatever you want to uh, <laughs> frame it as. Uh, they're 22nd in pass coverage, but 11th in pass rush, right? So again, they can get pressure with four. Uh, they're 18th in blitz rate, 28.9%, but they rank 10th in QB hurry rate, 10th in total sacks with 22, and 11th in total pressure rate, right? So they're not blitzing as much as other teams, but they're still able to apply pressure to opposing quarterbacks, and that helps the secondary, right? That helps the coverage unit because you have an extra guy back there. You're not rushing five guys you're not rushing six guys um so i do think you know getting the ball out quick over the middle is going to be key to this uh uh, this san francisco offense i think it helps that they get jordan reed back as well so i think you think nick mullins is that potential sneaky streamer here based on what you've kind of put together i got a question for you because i'm in a 14 team league in the listener league i've got alex smith going in there right now would you start He's going up against Detroit. Would you start Nick Mullins over Alex Smith? See, here's the only worry I have about Nick Mullins. We've seen uh, Kyle Shanahan's tendency to rotate quarterbacks like he rotates running backs, right? So it's like, is he going to play the whole game if they're down big? You know, if he's making mistakes. Like, is he going to – is Shanahan going to give Mullins the chance to come back? Um, I think he will. I think he'll let him finish out the game. I think he likes Mullins a lot, just like we all do, you know? If you're a football fan, like, you appreciate Nick Mullins is like, career trajectory where he came in and, and he was an unknown player and, and he kind of balled out. Um, but that's the only risk I do see here. But I do see, you know, San Francisco playing from behind for most of this game. So I like Nick Mullins a little bit more than Alex Smith for sure. Yeah, I think the team total is a little bit higher there too. So you like that. Um, I think the way to attack New Orleans been more through the air so that's an interesting tech so let's talk about these running backs then because we've talked about the rotating running backs you you mentioned that you and i in the offseason had many discussions about Jarek mckinnon and here we are in the in the you know scenario where we thought could happen where other backs got hurt and mckinnon could be you know put on a pedestal here but he just really hasn't hit the way you want him to how are you feeling about him this week Listen, man, we're in week 10 and we're still talking about starting Jarek McKinnon, right? Like that says something, right? That's right, right. Hey, like we made the right choice in drafting this guy with the last pick in our drafts because the whole year, like he's been a lot better than relevant. Dude, 
so like every single fantasy analyst or mainstream analyst, and I'm not going to call people out, right? I'm not going to call out names, but every single outlet. Ooh, we're going to start a beef here. We're going to start a. <laughs> I got a bone to pick. Start a. Right? <laughs> I got a bone to pick with a lot of you guys. No, like every right. kind of discounting and disregarding like how serviceable McKinnon has been over the year. Like he started off the year, he was like a top 12 RB or like a high end RB two over the first like three weeks. Um, but again, like Raheem Mostert's not coming back this week. Tevin Coleman's still out. Jermichael Hasty. I mean, we know he's the early down back. We know that San Francisco, for the most part, they're going to be trailing in this game, right? And I like Jarek McKinnon because in most games where he gets like 10 to 12 touches, he puts up an RB2 game. So I like the opportunity here for them, for him, regardless of the matchup, right? I know the Saints are, are allowing the fifth fewest running back fantasy points. I know they allow the third fewest adjusted line yards. I know they have the fifth best rushing defense in DVOA. I know they allow the 12th lowest EPA per rush play. I know they're allowing the 29th lowest explosive run rate. But still, I like McKinnon because he gets targeted in the passing game. He's at hurry up back. He's a third down back, and, and that with that comes targets and volume and, and half PPR, PPR formats, you're starting this guy. Somebody just gave us the eight-mile treatment with Jarek McKinnon. He said everything that we knew was bad about him uh, as far as matchups concerned, but I do like what you said. Unlike Hasty, I think we, you know, and I don't want to jinx it, I think we can project the volume, like you said, for McKinnon, where we can't really project that for and this isn't a great matchup. So if the matchup's bad, go with the volume play over the risk play of, of Hasty. Correct? Exactly. I would definitely exactly um, second those those thoughts right there. Like you're going. All with right. He's going to catch passes. So in the wide receiving core, we talked about Debo Samuel um, off air here. He, he looks doubt, to be doubtful and a long shot to play. And this kind of throws Brandon Ayuk into the spotlight here, who has had a really nice rookie season in the games he's been able to play. How are you f- connection with Nick Mullins, his, his use in this offense, and, and the cornerbacks he's going to face here? Yeah, I mean, so Brandon Ayuk, he's going to have most of the attention on him, right? Because Debo Samuel's not there to take away, you know, the alpha. He's the alpha dog of this offense, won't be there. But, you know, we've got another alpha dog here in Richie James, who's probably going to be demanding top coverage now from Marshawn Lattimore because he went for almost 200 yards last week, you know. Uh, No, but like Brandon Ayuk, I I, I like him. Uh, I do think he's long-term he'll be really really good i do think this week he has a potential to rip off a couple big plays as well you know he's going up against marshawn Lattimore, uh who's let up a touchdown in four out of seven games played he's allowing a 121.5 passer rating 68.3 percent catch rate 14.1 yards per reception 3.53 yards after catch per reception and that's kind of where Brandon IU kind of specializes in, in manufacturing yards after the catch and i do think jordan reed again i'm going to say his name again him being back and especially being one game removed from his first game where he came back from injury, where he only ran like what, like three routes or like five routes, you know, like 10 right. routes, I think it was that he ran last week. I think he runs more routes this week and it opens things up over the middle for IU to kind of produce. Uh, and, you know, again, going back to scheming up plays like Shanahan, he's so good at that, right? He's so getting his, he's so good at getting his pass catchers in space away from coverage and I think you know he'll have a couple of plays drawn up for IU to to rip off uh, some 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 good production um, Janoris Jenkins is really the cornerback that scares me the most I think that's the toughest cornerback matchup um, and he's you know he's targeted the least um, amongst all these cornerbacks and that tells you that quarterbacks are afraid of him so and and where where's Jordan Reed at on your stream here 
Would you put them at a low end tight tight end one? Would you be range tight end two? Are you you comfortable with him this week? I, I was actually off of him after last week, but I like what you've said here about the injury. Maybe just he needed to get back and not show any setbacks. Yeah, yeah. And we saw this again, right? In weeks one to week two. Um, in week one, he ran five routes. Week two, it jumped up to 20 routes, right? Uh, last week, he ran 10 routes coming back from injury. I expect that number to be closer to 20 routes, if not more this week, right? Like I think yeah. Jordan Reed's going to be utilized just out of necessity. Like they need a guy over the middle who can take attention away from IU, take attention away from Kendrick Bourne, uh, take attention away from the running backs. And I'm not really worried about Ross Dwelly because he's primarily the run blocking tight end who, and he performs a lot better in that category than Jordan Reed ever has. And I think they could really use Ross Dwelly back in that run blocking role. And I think that boosts the run game as well, right? Like that's, that's a, that's a boon to the run game um so i like jordan reed as a back end tight end one this week and i'm actually going to be streaming him in, in, a, in a couple leagues as well so jump into the fire with me whisper nation yeah there you go there you go all right so we're going to move on to the saints side of the ball here drew Brees had a monster game best game of the year so far last week against the tampa bay bucks um this is a, a game against san fran who's really beat up on 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 defense and just watched aaron Rodgers throw for four tutties on him so how are you feeling about Brees this week yeah, I think uh, the narrative about Breeze playing outdoors was kind of overblown. We saw, you know, them blow out the, the Buccaneers last week. Uh, they are back home. They're back in a dome for the next two weeks, uh, this week against San Fran, next week against Atlanta. But then after that, they have three straight road games at Denver, at Atlanta, at Philly, outside, in the elements. So we'll kind of see what that, what that narrative actually means, right? Like if Breeze can actually get it done. But no, just like you said, I, I would totally stay in the flames with Drew Breeze. He had his best game on the season last week. Um, San Francisco, they're not the wor- they're not like the best against quarterbacks. They've the middle of the pack, nineteen point nine points per game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers torched them with you know pretty much two guys, right? Like he he made Marquez Valdez Scanling relevant again <laughs> against the secondary. So that kind of says something. Um, and I think with Breeze getting back a healthy set of receivers plus Camara, this offense, like traditionally we've seen New Orleans start slow and then pick it up down the stretch. And I think the same thing's happening this year, except this year it was a combination of the Saints starting slow as well as Drew Brees starting slow. Like Drew Brees usually has started hot, but this year, like everything just seemed off with this offense. Michael Thomas was hurt. I think this offense is picking up steam. I'm not as high on this offense as a lot of other people are just because of last week's primetime game. But I do think this offense has enough potency to overcome this matchup. If we move to the running backs, I mean, obviously there's nothing to say here too much. Uh, We've got Alvin Kamara. You're starting him. He's, he's, he's awesome. Mm -hmm. We go to Michael Thomas. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we go to Michael Thomas though, and he did. He had a game where he got about fifty percent of the uh, tar or fifty percent of the. He ran on fifty percent of the snaps. Sorry about that. And uh, how are you feeling about it this week? Are you more much more confident? He didn't, you know, much like the Jordan Reed take. No set should be more in, involved this week, right? Yeah, I mean, Michael Thomas only ran twenty eight routes last week, and he saw six targets still, which is twenty one point four percent target to route to run, which is still a very high number, right? So that tells you that Michael Michael Thomas is going to get targeted no matter what. 
So if his routes increase naturally, his targets is, are going to increase. And I, I, I project his routes increase this week as well. Uh, the matchup is absolutely tough against Jason Barrett, who's allowing uh, a league low of 0.62 yards per route run. I believe that's a league low. It might be like top, bottom three in terms of yards per route run allowed. He's allowing a 65% catch rate, but just 10.2 yards per reception. He's only allowed 25 total yards after the catch on the entire year, Travis. That's, um, wow. that's mind-blowing, right? That is, wow. He's been playing that good. Uh, he allowed his first touchdown last week, and it was to Devontae Adams. Like, you need an elite receiver like Devontae Adams to beat this guy the way he's playing right now. Uh, still, I think Michael Thomas is an auto-start. Like, you're not thinking twice about it. You're, you're playing him. Uh, when it comes to Emmanuel Sanders, however, we're going to see a battle of the Emmanuels here, right? Emmanuel Sanders versus Emmanuel Mosley. <laughs> uh, and that's going to be fun to watch, right? Because Emmanuel Mosley... You know, he's allowed more yards and touchdowns in the last two weeks than he's allowed in his first five games combined, right? So just to break that down for you, three touchdowns over the last two weeks, given up to DK Metcalf, David Moore, and MVS. He only gave up one touchdown over the first five games played. He's also given up 180 total receiving yards over the last two weeks versus 164 in the first five games combined. Uh, albeit, you know, he did play against DK Metcalf. He did go up against MVS, the, the, the world beater that we know he is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's worth noting that Sanders actually only ran 14 routes last week with Michael Thomas back. And before that, Sanders hadn't run less than 24 routes in any other game. I think that could have been a product of the game script last week against Tampa Bay where they just were up big yeah. and they didn't need him yeah. out there. And I think the same thing, like when I was looking at Jared Cook's routes and like Michael Thomas routes, like all those guys, like they had, they had a very low number of routes run. I think, you know, that was just like overall across this offense. So I do think, you know, that picks up, uh, but I, would, I wouldn't look at Sanders as anything more than like a wide receiver three flex option here. I'm not touching Trey Quan. I'm not touching Callaway here. I love that breakdown you did here of Mosley, but I got to please early year stuff because Metcalf, Dave, or MVS are the touchdowns he gave up. What do all those guys have in common? They've got quarterbacks that are pushing the ball down the field. These are deep routes they're going on. And I, we all know like Drew Brees isn't really doing that anymore. Yeah. And especially now that like, that's a really good point that you make, right? He gets back Michael Thomas. So does his a dot dip, right? Like, does it go back down? Like we've seen Brees. Right tried to push the envelope a little bit, like try to go a little bit deeper, uh, even though he still has one of the lowest A dots in the league. But like with Michael Thomas back, like he doesn't really need to go deep anymore, right? Like he has Kamara, he has Thomas. So that's a really good point that you make. Um, maybe it just might not be a necessity to go to Sanders. Yeah. Well, so we'll see how that one lo- – I, I like the wide receiver three flex play- peg you have him at there. I think that's fine. I think that's a good range. Should be there in this matchup uh high over under high implied team total there for the saints so it's it's yeah shot is it worth a shot there san francisco been a top five matchup against the tight end but how do you feel about jared cook this week yeah jared cook i think he goes back to being jared cook uh up and down roller coaster ride and you never know what to expect from him but you know if san francisco has dre greenlaw covering cook for most of the game i think cook should be able to put up decent production uh, but I would just start him with lower than usual expectations. You know, I would expect him to go back to his boom bust kind of tight end, you know, touchdown dependent category. Like every other tight end not named Travis Kelsey, pretty much. Pretty much, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers. 